You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Maria Sinsky has worked in some of the most famous Michelin star-rated restaurants in France, most notably with Paul Bocuse. She's a celebrated chef and cookbook author and now spends most of her time on the road promoting the brilliant wines of Robert Sinsky. Super happy to have Maria Sinsky on the podcast. And I got to tell you, I don't even know where to begin with Maria Sinsky. So she... Uh, Jumped in the culinary world. I'm going to give you a, a two-minute promo, then we're just going to run. Okay? I, hate, I hate. I'm not such you have not s- a promo person. No, I know. I know. So I'm going to do all the talking I, about I hate, you. I hate tooting my own horn yeah. or anything. So let's just we can skim over stuff. Uh, you were in college. You were catering for a rock band in Boston. So well, not really a rock band. I was doing. I was doing backstage catering in Boston. Backstage catering, but okay. I was doing it illegally because okay. I didn't know you needed. Because I was so young, right. I just graduated from college. And I didn't know you need like licenses to like have right. sanitary places yeah. to prep food, so I just did it on my own. Good bands. There were some things like Shriek Back and a few I that were came through that they a friend of a friend told them about me. Okay. And one day I remember carrying a tray of food into this nightclub, and uh, there was a guy catering, and he literally I had this whole tray of food, and the guy starts yelling at me, "I'm going to shut you down! I'm going to shut you down! You don't have a license!" And I'm like, "You need a license to do this?" Yeah, and you're like 18. 19. No, I was at this college. So I was college, like 21. Yeah. Right. I was very young, very yeah. young, very naive. But you loved food then. Oh, yeah. Right? So yeah. then you end up getting out of there. I hope you at least got to hear some cool bands in Boston because I'm from Boston. And I used to do the oh. Battle of Bands and all those beautiful things Oh, that's, that's right. I forgot about it. Right. Yeah, no. When I was in Boston, that was the early 80s. So right. there's a lot of bands coming through like Till Tuesday Broke. Oh, sure. You know, sure. Aerosmith came you? back because those oh. guys used to write songs at my house where I lived on Parsons yeah. Street in Brighton. Right. They'd come in. They were coming was, back from their, you know, rehabilitation yeah, was, yeah. and, and there launching was again. All the, I mean, there was uh, the Rat Scholar in Kemmel Square. There was... The Rat. Uh, a lot there of was crazy a, stories. In Cambridge, uh, there was a place, I forget. Oh, we uh, didn't. Cambridge was yeah. way too far to go. Yeah. Okay. Like, we were uh, just like... Uh, we were downtown so, Boston. Oh. Yeah. There was... The channel, the, the channel, channel, sure. The, do you know oh that God, YouTube? Dump. Do you know that YouTube played the channel yes. before they got really, really yes. big? And I was at this that concert, and it was like, and they had like four songs. So I think I will fall, follow, walk away, walk away. Yeah, I and, will follow. And, and also, and also, was, wow. what do you call it? That sting band? What's it called? The police. Oh, the pl- play, oh they right. played at the the Rascal. Yeah, it's it's crazy the yeah. bands that I I saw there. Anyway, so let's get back on track. Then you go to culinary school. It's the roughly 1987. Your parents convince you to yeah, go there, yeah. right? You go to culinary school. You come out then you you go to pastry chef or chef in no so so i went to culinary school which was great because my parents were paying for it Mm -hmm. but i was working two jobs on the side so it was i was i was raking in the money it was awesome because they're funding everything and i'm making the side money right so it was just like in san francisco going crazy epic not bad for us for, for coming from a little small town upstate new york no no right? not at all the small town girl really broke out but i you know i really broke out in yeah, boston right. um and then i got to san francisco and yeah i was i was going to culinary school then i went to pastry school in denmark in denmark right which was eye-opening i freaking loved yeah. copenhagen right and you know. then you come back to san francisco yeah. And you're in San Francisco. You're at Plump Jack. You're at... Uh, I was at the Sherman House. first. The Sherman House. Relay okay. and Chateau Hotel. I thought, I'm going to blow this town. I'm going to go right. skiing. I'm going to be a ski bum, go to right. Aspen. Right. And then Gavin Newsom, Bill Getty, who are my oh, friends, sure. said, hey, 
our chef's leaving. Arnold Arnold Rothman, who is now uh, he's really a raconteur, raconteur right. here yep. in in mm-hmm. New York. I'm in a tavern. And Gavin Newsom was doing what then? Gavin had Plum Jack. Gavin and B- Bill Bill Getty were were partners in Plum Jack Wine, okay. Plum Jack Restaurants. I'm not thinking of the politician Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Oh wow. So the That's one his background. You know, Gavin. You there know, you go. If you, we we <gasps> opened a place up. In, That's why he's cool. He's connected to wine and food. I yeah, love I mean, the guy Gavin's, even more. Gavin's actually a good guy. He's, yeah. He he. You know, people make fun of his hair because he slicks it back, but he really has a good heart. Yeah. He means really. He means he means well, and um, you know he struggled. He had dyslexia. Mm. I don't know if this is out in the right. the, the public, but right. you know he listened to tapes. He used to listen to JFK and Martin Luther King. Yeah. If you were in the car, he's listening to these great politicians and the speeches. He really believed in their message. Sure, he's, he's, he's I I love listening to him. I've seen him uh, quite a few times. He's he's, he's great. He's, I I love Gavin. Wow, that's so cool. Now yeah. I like him even more. This is the problem when you have politicians that don't drink and don't like food. Obama, love food, love yeah. wine. Our current president, I won't mention his name. He no, doesn't like, he doesn't drink. And well, he likes McDonald's. There's know, something odd about people who don't like yeah, food. Yeah, but drink. I understand but, like people not drinking for one, you know, they yeah. have their de- demons, the devil, they, they sure. addiction issues. Right. Great. But a lot of people that don't drink still love food. Yeah, of you course. Know? And it's not, a, it's, it's, it's like, okay, you know, I, I, I can't drink. I accept that, but I can still enjoy life. I can enjoy, you know, life around the table, eating, sure. let other people drink. I have great you friends know. who don't drink. I had Eddie yeah. Pepitone on, who's a comedian, and he's an yeah. uh, alcoholic, and I just would joke with him. It's really, it's just that you're weak. And of course, he couldn't <laughs> stop laughing because they, they love to laugh at themselves, you yeah. know. Uh, but he is, he's a cool guy. So then you're in, so that's really cool, the uh, Gavin Newsom thing. And then you're at Plump Jack, and you're at Sherman, and, uh, Sherman House, and then you're. So Sherman House, Plump Jack, mm-hmm. then I met Rob. My husband, mm-hmm. Rob Sinski. Yeah, very important man um, in your life. We were skiing in Vail. It was right. a food and wine event. And uh, I'd heard that he was a real big playboy, everything. Right. I, d- I really didn't have any interest in meeting him. But a right. mutual friend fixed us up. And um, I s- really kind of did like the closed, like, what, what do you call this? When you cross your arms yeah, and turn your like body not away. Not available. Not yeah. available. Sorry, and dude. sending the, right. the signal hard, which, right. of course, intrigued him. Sure. And so we met in April and we're married in December. So it was really wow. fast. Yeah. What year was that? Oh my god, it was like the dark ages. I, I think you're like we got 25 years now, married. Because I'm 25 years. 20 this September. Yeah. 22 and a half. So it was just wow. over. I call it just over the border. So January 4th, 1997. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so that was uh, okay. So that so that happens. But then you, I know you were in France and you worked at some Michelin star restaurants in France as well. Oh, so that was during my tenure at the Sherman House because it was a, a Reliance Chateau hotel. Oh, right. That makes sense. And so it had that connection to all these great, you know, three-star Michelin. They were all Reliance Chateau, gourmand restaurants. Mm-hmm. And so I had access to a lot of chefs. Emil Young and a Crocodile. So I was in, went back to Strasbourg, worked with him for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Georges Blanc, I worked with him for a while. Um, uh, Pablo Cuz, I was at Pablo Cuz wow, for just a couple big. of days. Yeah. I thought I was going to have a vacation. And I went to have dinner. And I was eating alone. And Pablo Cuz saw me there, and he came over to my table, and he wanted to talk to me. So, of course, I'm thinking, Pablo Cuz, oh, my God, I have to t- you know, talk to him in my best French. Yeah. My French was so bad. He literally said, uno, uno, un moment, or whatever, like in one minute, yeah. and, and got somebody to come back and, right. and, and sit down and translate. Yeah. I was so, and then he, he yeah. found out I was going to be cooking with Emil Jung, and he said, oh, come into my kitchen. And I went into his kitchen the next day, That's and I worked. His cathedral, and he, yeah. The the executive chef who was really good friends with Uber Keller, who was um, Alsatian chef in San Francisco. He took me all around the city of of, of Lyon, 
And wow. I saw the secret gardens and the it was, yeah. it was it was an amazing experience. That's the gastronomical capital of the world. Leon. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And, and uh, you know this whole thing, it's like you know that they don't respect women or blah blah blah. I worked in all these three star Michelin restaurants, and I mm. never had an issue with right. with men men thinking less of me. Maybe it was because they saw my picture in the Relais and Chateau book that I was a grand chef. Yeah. At a, so I, I was like, I was good, you yeah. know. I, uh, maybe that's why they respected me, but really just an amazing experience in all these really male-dominated kitchens right. in, in, in Europe. Yeah, that, I, I think that's uh, true. They, they wouldn't mess with you. Is that, Actually, can, no, and my husband, yeah. he won't even mess with me, especially when <laughs> I have a knife in my hand. <laughs> Speaking of knife, with, you're an amazing butcher. I mean, I've seen you um, take apart your, you have uh, sheep on your property yeah. and you do every, the food off the Sinsky Vineyard is incredible. And did you learn to perfect your butchering in Alsace in particular or in Bocuse's kitchen? You know, or? I wish I could say, like, create this, like, really romantic story how I went to, to Europe and learned how to cut up an animal. But right. really, you know, I, I went to culinary school. I learned butchery there. Right. But really, I've always been breaking down whole animals. To right. me, it's really fascinating. Right. I mean... It's like surgery, but you get to eat the thing you're cutting up, which right. is the plus, right? Sure. Yes. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think it's funny that in Williamsburg in parking lots, these hipsters will do classes on taking apart like whole pigs because uh, it's the whole food. You know, is this, is, this uh, is so back to we're like going kind of we're going backwards. Like right. we had this shift in food going toward all this molecular food, which is always, I think, going to be there. This is sure. just fascination mm-hmm. with cooking things in bags. Right. But what I think um, – when I think of people cooking things in, in bags, I think of Nestle's when they invented the sous vide technique in, I think it was the 70s. I'm not sure the exact decade. I, you know what I think of? Uh, I think of shake and bake chicken. Plastic bags, dump the seasoning in, shake the bag. No one yeah, knows what the hell I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, but you weren't resealing <laughs> it and then throwing in some water to cook for like 12 hours. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's been this, this, this backlash about cooking everything in a bag back to, you know, like, Cutting up animals in parking lots, like right. throwing it over the fire, grilling, you know. and using all of it, yeah. making sausage. Yeah. Like, like you've always done. I mean, I don't waste anything. No. People look at me sometimes like I'm insane because when I take down an animal, there we use every last mm-hmm. little bit of that animal. There's nothing like I mean, all you know. The only thing that goes in the 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 garbage is like sinew or, or vessels, right. or blood vessels, or nerves. Right. But that's about. Oh, actually, the nerves go in the stockpot. So, but uh, I mean, I think it's that's the way you have respect for the animal. Your animals are all raised on on the vineyards and are eating yes. all you know the grasses and uh, you they, know they, they have such humanely, a happy life. Yeah, yeah, and then. And we give them life because we need them. I mean, the the ewes we have grazing just for our, part of our biodynamic program. Right. But I'm, I'm thinking, okay, we have these wool. They're wool sheep. They're not meat sheep, but we eat the meat. So we have all these ewes grazing. Let's start a breeding program so that we can have lamb. So they do double duty. I mean, these these little these sheep work really hard. They get impregnated. They have babies. We eat, take away their babies. That we use right. the pelts from the babies. We shear them. The ewes for wool. It's crazy. That's what you should be doing. That's yeah. it's the exact opposite of what is uh, uh, to the dis- disgust of most people. This kind of industrial farming um, uh, methods that have been we've been using for years, but now yeah. there's the big backlash. I mean, really, after World War II is when everything went fast forward. Women were liberated and they could work outside the house. No and time to cook. What are we going right. to do with all these? You know, these 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 um, you know bomb making facilities. We're going to make fertilizer. We're going to grow food. We're going to save the world. We're going right. to feed everybody. And this was like, back then, it was like, this is amazing because now we can do this. Now we can right. have these huge farms where we don't need that many people to work. And we can raise these animals because we have better, like, veterinary science. And, right. and everything that was so amazing 
is now what is so awful. And the, I, the, the real thing is we got further and further away from the nature and its simplicity. We know? created monocultures. Right. So we went from something that was really varied and textural, and textural mm-hmm. um, which if something failed, it failed big. And so you would lose all the crops because um, you like there, there was all these small farmers. And if it was a drought, they would lose everything they were growing. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, with all the you know access to water, water rights, where, where people get water, you know, the big farms are all, are, are all what do you call consolidated mm-hmm. and they're going to make sure they don't fail. So they're going to have access to water. I don't know how they make water, but do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Still, ha- still can fail big, but. Um, and so then you come back from France and then you're in San Francisco cooking again mm-hmm. and you get all the accolades you deserve. Food and Wine names you the best new chef, San Francisco Magazine, I, I was Rising just, Chef. You, know, I was just, you lucky. were just crushing it. I was just lucky. I, I think was, there's luck to being a great chef. Well, I mean, you'd either have that skill set and, and they'd be able to conceptualize, put flavors together, the salt, food, acid. Texture I know, kind but of the thing, thing is, is there's, a real chef. But there's so many great chefs out there that mm-hmm. are never recognized. And right. so I, when I say I got lucky, right. like I was in the right place at the right time, you okay. know. And and which, yeah, I'm very happy for the mm-hmm. accolades. I'm very happy to be recognized. But I think of all the chefs that are really, really great that don't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I'm, I, you know, I just think, okay, you know, right place, right time. I was lucky. You know, it's like being an actor. Yeah. You know, there are great actors. It's like it's that combination of great skill, but also luck too. Right. Well, Kyle was just on McLaughlin. He said mm-hmm. that. He said I wasn't the best actor in my class. He said I don't know why David Lynch picked me because there was something yeah. about him, and right. and he showed up at the right time. Sure. And so it's, timing's everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. So then you're got all these accolades, <laughs> and then you have like cookbooks and multiple appearances on Food Network, <laughs> and like. Uh, that the, uh, that, that was, was a long time ago. Yeah, but that was great. That was when American cuisine kind of exploded onto yeah. the scene, and you had all these you know guys like you know Bobby Flay and all American chefs kind of coming into their own. Because yeah. prior to that, it was uh, well, everything was everybody was turning toward Europe, mm-hmm. and then I think Americans had this real um, insecurity, food insecurity. I shouldn't yeah. even put kid about that, but yeah. um, we thought, oh, our products aren't as good as the Europeans, U- European products, so we'll go over there and we'll exalt the cheese and all the vegetables, not realizing that a lot of the vegetables were coming from North Africa, right. you know, um, and not recognizing that we had really good cheesemakers in the U.S. We had really good product. We had access to really good ingredients. We just needed somebody to tell us that they what were great. Right. They Alice were great. Waters and yourself. Alice Waters. And, Alice Waters. Uh, she makes a great salad. Yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. of chefs, mm-hmm. I think. And really kind of made the avenue for other chefs or made the kind of the blueprint for a lot of chefs and, right. and, and forged the whole but American I, movement. I love it when you come to New York because you show up in our office and you have homemade gouge and we I think the last time I'd say the last time you and I were hanging out we a, a couple times but we were on the hunt for some reason for really good caviar and you're like oh I my just God. feel like we, some caviar and we went to all those we weird places all these restaurants like that were caviar but maybe also sex palaces yeah right it was at the place right in, in Tribeca we walked in they have the caviar uh, little uh, display case but you yeah. put your hand on them and they were warm yeah. is that plugged in <laughs> you're like oh man like, I don't think so, so. And I'll tell you when Maria's on a mission for something so we went to a number of places and a lot of the conversation was uh, so is this where do you get your caviar from uh, can I can I take a look at what oh that's that's not caviar. That's I think it was paddlefish. Or no, like, I, I pal- uh, well, like no. it is caviar, but it's not not a high, very high quality. Right. But the thing is, I'm like you know, I always said, 
I don't like to pay full retail for for, for caviar. It like right. ki- it crushes me right. because I can get it. I can get really good well, caviar at wholesale, which and, we and the know, last we time you were here, you brought a big That's tin right. and we opened champagne and we were just sitting here like, man, uh, we spoiled. That and was then, pretty fun. Caviar was, and potato chips. At the other really, yeah, caviar and potato chips and we I had champagne. Do that again. Uh, the other really hilarious time we hung out, we worked all day together. Running around showing your fantastic Sinsky wines, and you looked at me. You're like, I just want some truffles. Oh, and that's right. I, and we went on a truffle hunt. And we too. went truffle hunting, and <laughs> we were like, okay. And you were like, there's got to be some in La Conde Verde. Yeah. So we went over to La yeah. Conde Verde, super packed, busy, busy restaurant. And, and we I got said, in. Yeah, but I love. I'll tell you exactly how we got in because you don't remember, but it was you. Because I said, oh yeah, because I said, oh, I, I think I might know somebody here. We'll see because it's really packed. You, I have this. You walked up oh, to God. the hostess in the front, and you said. I want to sit down, buy a really expensive bottle of old Barolo, have some truffles, and be out of here in 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get registered with her? <laughs> and it was hilarious. They just looked, and they were like, ah, right this way. And we were done in like an hour, but we had like a 71, like, Conterno Barolo. Oh, that's right. We had, the trop- had the truffles. See, now, see, now you're yeah. outing me. Yeah. And like, my husband's going to be like, wow, is that what you do when you go to New yeah. York? It's like, yeah. I could lie and say I picked up the check. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, he knows. He knows. So I, and another great moment was actually Rob was in town, uh, and I hung out with him. And then you came into town six months later, Rob Sinsky. So we're talking about Sinsky Wines. And uh, a bunch of us went out to have some wine and uh, you said oh you're looking at a wine list and you're like wow that's kind of expensive and I'm really going to out myself here I said uh, I said are you kidding me Maria like when Rob comes here we ball it we throw down and you were like <laughs> oh hell with that <laughs> let's do some baton multiche you know, you know I'm always like you know I, I mean you know you say you only live once so much and then you're broke and you're here in the poorhouse and you're, right. you're you know but I kind of believe that there's a balance to everything and yeah. like if you have the opportunity to really enjoy something and oh enjoy my, life do it my, because you're going to work really hard and, and yeah. you're going to have really these days where you're like oh well, you god are, you, you know? are you are a road warrior you're here in New York now for the slow wine movement yeah. uh, you just got back from Denver you just I mean you travel yeah. constantly I like so. to travel it's yeah. escapism for me yeah what, what I love though is your passion for food is amazing like everybody should have you as a friend <laughs> <laughs> I think I would I, I think it, I think I would make a lot of people crazy because uh, I I'm a little bit obsessive, yeah, compulsive uh, when it comes to, uh, to food and wine. You, but your obsession with, uh, I mean, you're right. You you live once. You you do it right. You should, you should taste as much as you can. Uh, uh, you know, we, whether we're going to Marea, you're like, well, we got to yeah. have the crudo. We're having the crudo at Marea. And like, well, Michael White makes some of the best pasta in New York. we got to have some pasta while we're here. And you were on your way to dinner, by the way. That I, well, night it's we like were you double stacked the dinners. I mean, people are going to think I'm a total hedonist. But, you know, once I was at Marea. Yeah, but that's a good but thing. I would, I would go to Marea during white truffle season. Yeah. And I would go and I get, he makes a great risotto. Yeah. And I would go and I would just get simple risotto and then they would come out and shave the white truffles on. So one day the guy was shaving the truffles over and a chunk broke off and landed in, in the risotto. And I just went, <gasps> and it was complete silence and hesitation. And then he looked at me and said, enjoy. And I'm thinking, did that guy get his butt kicked when he went back into the kitchen? Like, you just shaved like 50 grams of right. truffles over Cause, cause If people don't know this, the, the chef will give the, the truffle psalm, whoever that is, the yeah. truffle. It's weighed right. like uh, on a triple beam scale yeah. before it goes out. So he comes back. They're counting. Because what do truffles go for now? Uh, well, this was a good year. And I think I think the white truffles were $1,200 a pound. Yeah. So, which is a pretty good for for white truffles. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I, I, it's an extravagance. I don't, I don't buy a lot of white truffles, right. but when so, I do, I, we, we, we enjoy them. Okay. Another cool story. Uh, Rob was in town. Me, you and Rob went over to Pasquale Jones. <gasps> And oh, uh, I right. love you guys because we've been married at the same time, my wife and I. And you get you were having fun. some argument, and he was smart enough to like. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to win this argument." Because you were like, "I do you know this producer?" And it was, you were joking. It was like complafon. <laughs> I know, like, I know. Ridic- I'm like, "Yeah, I think we should try that." And Rob, Rob just said, "Okay, fine, whatever. All bets off." And then you start looking around, and we smell truffles. Oh, that's right. Wafting across the dining room, the truffle. They weren't even cooking. The truffle guy came in and yes. had bags of truffle, and you were like, "Oh yeah." We have to have truffles. We're have some <laughs> I know. I know. It's just so. It's so. It's so bad. You know, the, the kind of um, right now you can get truffles year round because they're growing them in Australia. Really, really beautiful Paragord truffles from Australia. Black truffles. Okay, so in here's the something. Yeah, here's a tip for everybody. So a lot of people can't really afford white truffles. If when you go out to restaurants, it's always like it's the pasta is twenty, but the truffle with the truffles right. at sixty five right. for your pasta. So where's another? I mean, I like black truffles from mm-hmm. Paragord. They're okay, but they're not as aromatic. You can grow truffles everywhere. Where's your second best place to go for truffles if like you're a, if you're gonna uh have them on a menu or buy them you know hard right it's hard because um you know the burgundy truffles the white they're black truffles but they're pale inside mm-hmm. and they have right nice nuttiness those are usually a really good value mm-hmm. um and if you if you use those shaved over like a mushroom dish right. you can actually get this really beautiful truffle flavor not like paragord but mm-hmm. um i really think that for me, you know, less is more. So if I can't afford, I mean, I don't eat white truffles all the time. Right. But there are like one time during the white truffle season, I will go out and I will splurge for right. a really simple pasta with white truffles. 64 bucks, a lot of money, but I have them. I'm satisfied. I've gotten the real thing, no truffle oil. Right. And that 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 that's good for me. Right. And I I think that if people can't afford I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to explain. Like, save your money up and have that one experience, and maybe it's every other year, and just know what it's like to have the real the real thing that you have a benchmark. Right. Because so many times, people are adding truffle oil to things, and it's that's not a truffle. That's yeah. like that's something that's like a, a really sickly perfume yeah, over a, the top of something that's actually really subtle and right. seductive. Yeah, to me, it's a truffle oil. Most of the time, it's synthetic, as, as you know, and it's a. It's kind of just a one note. It's like you said, it's just a heavy dollop of like stripper perfume. You're like, yeah, I can't. Okay, I, it's, it's too. It's, it's too much yeah. for me. And it's yeah. like it's kind of like to get. In, if you're talking about like in fashion, like say you want to buy a really nice handbag, mm-hmm. and and you just want to have one handbag. You might say, I can't afford that handbag. So you buy other things. You buy other handbags to kind of, okay, I'll just buy this one. But then you don't really like that one because you really want the one that you're going to have for 20 years. Right. I was going to say the handle breaks. And yeah. Like, you know, and yeah. it falls apart. So you, it's better to sometimes save your money, buy something really nice and have it for 20 years versus trying to find something to fill that void. Mm-hmm. And, and by the end of it, you've probably spent as much money yeah. as you had if you would have bought the nice handbag. Nothing to do with wine or food, but yeah. that's kind of how I think about food. Yeah. Like, Instead of trying to fill the void with something else, like go for it the one time, sure. and it, then you know, just it's it's better to eat simply and eat purely. I think, you yeah, know? yeah, you get nutritional density and freshness and just yeah. very simple flavors. I, I always say, just put a grilled piece of fish. On a plate yeah. for me and some some greens, and most of the time I'm pretty happy. Yeah. I'm pretty, salt. I mean, salt. Yeah. All good olive oil. Yeah. You know. Uh, so speaking of truffles, are you doing a trying to do truffles in <laughs> California? 
I call it Rob's folly. I mean, <laughs> we go, we go around all, round and round and round about this, but we did, we plant, we have a, we have truffle trees. I think it's, we have a lot of them. Right. Um, it's burgundy truffles and Paragord truffles. And we haven't gotten one truffle yet because of the drought. I mean, truffles need a lot of water and we just haven't had the water to give the trees, um, enough energy to grow truffles. So mm-hmm. there's this weird thing when they start producing, they have this like, it's called a brulee. It's a circle around the trees. Mm-hmm. And um, we're starting to get that now. So it seems like we're going to have truffles soon. Um, but not soon. It's almost 10 years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a that's... We'll see what happens. Uh-huh. But it's part of the biodiversity of the Cintia Sonoma vineyard. So we, mm-hmm. that's where we keep, we overwinter the sheep um, when they're not grazing in the pasture in the summertime. That's where we, we keep them um, in that pasture over the summer, move them around. <clears throat> it's one of the most amazing uh, wineries to visit. We're going to taste some Sinsky Pinot Noir. And uh, one of the reasons why I love this wine is I've helped a few uh, people get their MSs, mm-hmm. uh, Laura Manick, Fred Dexheimer. Yeah. Uh, I know both Josh of them. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and one of the things we do is blind tastings as a part of the, as you know, because you're MW. Are you still Not trying to get MW your MW yet? You're trying no, to get I'm your MW. No, I'm going to go back into Master it. I, I did right. it for so long. My kids looked at me one day and said, you've been in this program half our lives. So yeah. it's been five years and they were 10. But it's good to be a student your entire life. Yeah, I mean, I love to learn. I love to learn new things. And just studying for the MW was such a trip. I got to meet great people, and, and sure. I got to geek out about wine. Yeah. So let's talk about the Pinot. So I, I bring it up with the MS because I'm in a blind tasting. Most of the best experienced tasters put this wine in Burgundy, uh, which to me has been the kind of calling card for this wine for how many decades now? Is it we on three decades we're, for I think we're almost 33, 35 yeah. okay. years. So, getting, I mean, I don't know exact because I wasn't there at the beginning. Right. You know, I'm married yeah. into it. Right. Uh, not, not bad. Rob, <laughs> Rob always tracks me. I'm always like, we were doing it for 100 years. And he's like, no, only 33. <laughs> but no, I think I'm I think almost 35 years. Yeah. 80, um, 86 was our first And the vintage. Pinot really was the calling card, though. People yeah. knew Sinsky for the Pinot. And there were restaurants that carried zero domestic wines. Yeah. But I got, they would no, buy Sinsky Pinot. I called them U.S. wines because every time yeah. I hear domestic, I yeah. think of a cat. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Or domesticated. Domesticated. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I right. say U.S. Cause U.S. Kid, yeah. You know, that's my... That's one of my pet peeves on wine lists because you have, the, you know, France, Italy, domestic. Right. And it's like, yeah. oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Like, you just stabbed me in the heart. Yeah. It's like France, Italy, U.S., yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. You know? And then you subregion, just, California, Washington, yeah. Oregon. Yeah, that makes total sense. And you're like, don't insult my family. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm Italian. Watch it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, I've always been a ridiculous fan of these wines. And, um, and, and for you guys, you have been organic. Way before Chic and Vogue, 1990, right, 19- to be organic. And it was because of, I always say the, uh, these wines are spectacular, and, but I always mention the fact that you're such a great chef and you do all your butchering, you do all your cooking, and, and these wines have that food element to them. And I've yeah. always thought wine should taste like food on one level. So, Well, you know, I think one of the reasons why Rob and I met and got along so well is because we had similar philosophies about, you know, using good ingredients. And for him, when he and Jeff Verning, our winemaker, who's been with us for 30 something years since almost the beginning, when they went out into that, our Chardonnay vineyard, we don't, we don't make Chardonnay anymore, but they went out to that Chardonnay vineyard and realized the soils were dead. They mm-hmm. couldn't even, you know, get a chunk up, you know, they didn't find a pickaxe. 
And they thought, this is like, how can something live in this soil? Yeah, there wasn't anything. There was no microbes. There was nothing, no worms. Nothing. There was nothing. It right. was horrible. And they said, wow, we got to do something. We got to do something fast. Mm-hmm. And we started working with this man called Amigo Bob. Yes. Um, known for his organics. Yeah. And we started amending the soil. I mean, the Carneros is solid clay. And clay is, you know, really reductive. And um, and now, I mean, I remember it would rain and the, the water would sheet off. Well, Bob tells me this. I don't right. remember it. Right. but. But you go out now in the vineyards, and after a rain, it's like a sponge. You, you can hear the soil. You can hear it squeak. You can hear mm. your foot go into the soil. It's right. it's completely um, different different beast now. Um, there's life in the soil. I mean, soil. When I think about organics and biodynamics, because we adopted those practices too back then, is it's about the health of the soil. Sure. So if you have living soil, I mean, this is really the really the most important part is you are you are boosting the immune system of the vine. Because every plant in this world has a, a, a natural um, a natural defense system mm-hmm. that they can w- ward off pest diseases, and when you boost that through healthy soil and and and, and they have good nutrition, access right. to nutrition of the soil, then the vines become stronger. Yeah. And and that's scientific. That's not voodoo. Right. No, that's it. That is. I just uh, I'll have Nicholas Jolie's coming on, and we chat. Him and I were talking, and I always say to me like uh, the. Soil is kind of like your gut bacteria. It yeah. protects you. Yeah. It, 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 all, all disease comes through your stomach. And if you have healthy gut flora and bacteria, you're fine. Yeah, and if you, and, can, right. if you can extract nutrition, nutrition from the food you eat because of this flora, right. then you, you're strong. And very similar to soil to a vine. Yeah. It's a, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good analogy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Pinot's always been uh, brilliant. And, um, but we, made, we actually were making Pinot. We were growing that for love because you couldn't. Peanut was back in like, the day. Right. It was like what four hundred bucks a ton to, yeah. you know, to sell it, and uh, and Merlot was like you know twelve hundred bucks a ton. So we were doing equal amounts of Pinot Noir and Merlot, and we had a really strong Merlot game too, right. equally. Um, but people cut their teeth on our Pinot. Yeah. Definitely, we're known for our Pinot. But we've come more now. The Bordeaux varietals that we grow are almost overshadowing the Pinot. Right, you know the, the POV, you know which yeah, is you know the, the POV is a, a, an incredible wine. It's one of the best California, uh, I say, blend cab whatever. I, I, I just I think, look, I think for, it was just Merlot, Bordeaux. Cab Franc, Merlot Cab Franc, yeah. um, and a little bit of Cabernet Sauvignon. For the way it's grown, I mean, all of our wines are made made the same way. Meaning, we 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 grow everything we make. Nothing mm-hmm. is brought in from the outside. Um, we take care in the vineyard so that we don't have to manipulate it in the cellar mm-hmm. um and we everything is it, it's like the art of the blend so pov we take lots you know every you know we have very several lots of cab franc several lots of merlot mm-hmm. several lots of cabernet sauvignon we take the more fruit forward lots mm-hmm. um, because every every this a lot represents a parcel everyone has a different flavor a different character and so by blending we can we can do a blend that's more fruit forward. We can do a blend that's more savory. Sure. You know, the Marciana is more savory. Right. I mean, I know we're getting away from Pinot, but Pinot no. to make this Pinot, the Three Amigos Pinot, we have six Pinot Noir vineyards. You know, five in Carneros, one um, in Sonoma, the Cintia right. Sonoma vineyard. And then those are broken into sub blocks. So sub each 
they're broken into 36 parcels. Right. So, and right. we identified, you know, some of them are Massal selection, some are heirloom, some are clones. We, we right. have some Dijon. We have a little bit of Pomard right. that are great for blending, not standalone, but great so for this blending. So is, this is your chef experience coming in. Does it's it like need having a little a spice salt? Cabinet. Right. Does, do we need a little more spice here or there? Yeah. And the blending trials are kind of... Uh, it's a uh, blending trials are like going to war. Yeah. Because we sit down with 36 glasses and just nosing and, wow. s- and sipping, even if you spit, you're, you're woozy by the sure. time you go through those 36 glasses and all different. I mean, Jeff, who's been with us forever, he can, he, he can identify it by smell where that, where that Pinot came from. Wow. That's. You know, and some of them are just two picking bins of, of wine that we've uh-huh. made. Some of them are bigger. You know, it's, it's just a, it's a whole mix. Right. And, and when we start blending, we never use all 36 lots. Something is always, we don't like this. This doesn't fit. Maybe mm-hmm. it's too high alcohol. Maybe right. it just doesn't fit the blend. Mm-hmm. And um, so we go to these blending trials. The blending trials last like six months because we go back to it. We blend. We taste. We figure out what blend we like. We adjust. We go back again. We go back again because you want to make sure that it's something. Because you have to look to the future one. Oh, it's it's beautiful, and the cellar is gorgeous, and you have library stuff there. But here's the cool thing <laughs> I also love. Dust. I've been. Uh, I think I was at uh, Rob's fiftieth birthday party years ago. I think it was in the, it was in the Cobbs. Yes, the it was, yes, it was years ago. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. Uh, Rob. Ooch. That was years ah, Rob. Ago. Well, you should have been here, Rob. Uh, but I'm, I've also hung out with you guys at the cellar and. Um, what I loved, we were at a party there. It was probably 15 of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rob bought out a box. And we were drinking Old Burgundy, Old yeah. Bordeaux, um, which I think uh, even in France it happens with Burgundy houses. Or yeah, you tend to drink – winemakers sometimes tend to drink only from their little village or their towns. Right. What I love about you guys is that you have an incredible expansive view of the wine world. Mm-hmm. So your reference points – are, are larger well you can't um, you can't if you're making wine you can't make it in a vacuum you right. have to have a knowledge of everything that's going on around the world and what people are doing and how they're mm-hmm. making their wine i mean you historically you have to look at the, how they made it historically what they're doing now i mean every region ha- you can learn from everybody sure and and that's what i love about food and wine is like you you can ne- you never stop learning you know, if you, yeah. the, the moment you say I know everything and you have this arrogance is the, is the day where you're just like you're not relevant anymore. Sure. Because you're not you've, – you've basically shut down. I have to tell you, so I have uh, – there are days where I'm tasting 50 and 60 wines a day. That's harsh. And it is harsh, but I've had um, some benchmark brands that are uh, – said, you know, we're looking for new distributorship. Mm-hmm. And I would taste through the wines and they were very high alcohol lots of oak on them like that were really kind of stylish 10 years ago 15 years yeah. ago and they're losing placements in New York because nobody's drinking them and they think if I bring the wines in oh that'll solve the problem we just need a new importer it's not the problem you're tasting the wines going nobody wants 15% alcohol wines with really oaky oaky you know like those are but, those are dead and they're we, making those we, wines they're constructing the thing, those wines well we don't like them right but there there are a lot of Consumers that like those mm-hmm. wines, but That's, in New York they're falling out of favor. I can yeah, tell you. I mean in New York definitely, but yeah, there's still restaurants though that have. You, know, sure. you can go and you can see like a hundred point you know wine list. It's not my right. it's not my cup of tea. Right, I think more traditional um, like steakhouses kind of thing maybe. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. traditional restaurants, uh, more MOR middle of the road. Yeah, um, but not middle of the road if they have like three hundred dollar bottles of cab. I mean, you're talking about 
restaurants that have really deep lists will right. have a lot of those those hundred sure. point wines. Um, it's not my cup of tea as a chef. I don't think they're food friendly, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not going to judge some, if someone likes those wines. I'm not going to judge them because if they like them, that leaves more of these like beautiful burgundies and you know, and and beautifully well balanced wines for me to drink. So you can't have everybody lusting after the same wine. Else we be, be, be fighting each well, other. I actually know it's funny. That's that, that's happening in New York. There's a retail store every three blocks. More restaurants opening. So wines like. You know, Clos Rougeard or wines that are a Dovi set. You know, yeah. they, you know, restaurants get like three bottles, right. or a shop will get five bottles because there's not enough to go around. Well, that's so. like the mystery of Burgundy. I right. mean, it's telling you know, Pinot Noir is you know, even Chardonnay. Chardonnay has more resilience because it has a thicker skin, mm-hmm. but Pinot Noir is so delicate. It's it it just it just wilts at the littlest thing. It's very sensitive mm-hmm. and. And so you have these up and down vintages with burgundies and everybody's going after the same thing and you're fighting like dogs fighting right. for the scrap, you know, and it just, I mean, burgundies like, Pinot's the heartbreak grape, you know, it's just, it's so, it's just so sensitive. It's hard. It's hard to, hard to grow grape uh, Pinot. That's why, but that's it only why grows I love burgundy. Yeah. I love burgundy. Yeah. You know, because of the vintage variation, you can, you can sure. actually think back about when you taste the wine, you know, when you've tasted burgundies over and over again mm. you you know oh this must be like a 2008 because it was you know it, it mm. just it has a really really high acidity right um and it's just the, the fruit is a little shy or or 2006 oh there's these tannins here it's pretty pretty nose yeah. but there's something hard underneath it yeah. is it going to evolve in the glass and at the end of the yeah. Under the glass, you're like, oh, no. no, it never, never evolved again. It, but it was yeah. so pretty at yeah. the beginning. Yeah. No, it's, just, it's, it's a story. Every bottle is a story, it's and a it's story. and it's a journey, and it tells you everything. It's an amazing, uh, if you think about it, it's an amazing fingerprint that's left behind by Mother Nature. Yeah, and man, um, and and man. Yeah, yeah man, it's a, man's interaction with Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. And so, but the, you know, when we when we sell our wines, it's about connecting with people. And I can't tell you how many times a consumer or, or a sommelier or somebody a chef. They come up and say, I remember the first time I had your Pinot Noir, or I remember the first time I came to the winery, or wow, I just opened this 1998, you know, Merlot that I bought, a vineyard reserve that was, you know, we made for a while. That's a Merlot blend, and it was amazing. Yeah. And when I get that's that. makes you feel good, right? Yeah. When that's, yeah. that's what makes me really happy mm-hmm. when I, I, I'm relating to these people on a, a passion level. Um, it's something that is really important to them and it's important to me you sure. know it's really important to me and i think that's what food and wine is about it's about sharing it's about connecting so you Community, know what yeah i'm not gonna make i'm not gonna make a hundred point wine i don't that is not my never have been yeah i'm going to make something that i really enjoy that i know mm. people that like our wines enjoy that's what i mean my husband he's he was he's so far ahead of the curve as far as making these beautiful you know, food-friendly wines, and has been for you know yeah, over no, thirty Rob's, years. Definitely, you know? uh, Rob, Jeff, you you guys are visionary, and it's been a, uh, it's crazy. And then, so let's talk about the uh, the <laughs> unicorn wine, the white Bengal tiger, the black swan, Sinsky Van Gris. It's mm. rosé season, people. It's coming. If you can find Ooh. a bottle of Van Gris, because this is the tough one. But did you ever think that the first? Americans are finally understanding and drinking great rosé, Bandol rosé, uh, you know, uh, uh, Provençal rosés. And now, I mean, but Sinsky Van Gris has always, prior to even the rosé boom, yeah. has been. So uh, T. Edward represents the wine. The phone rings off the hook and it causes wars sometimes. It causes us a lot of pain. Sure, because everyone wants it. And it's a fi- it's very finite. But Rob, Rob started making this. Jeff and him decided that they were going to throw some whole clusters of Pinot Noir mm. into the, the press. 
impress it off and they loved what they got from it something very beautiful aromatic um very pale in color and they called it van gris they didn't know what van gris even meant mm -hmm. um and they started making 100 cases 400 cases you know and and we he, rob could not give it away because at the time this is 1990 all the rosé drinkers liked it sweet yeah. And all the serious drinkers were not going to have rosé in their glass. And Rob just kept making it because he loved it. And it mm. just kind of grew very organically, very slowly. Mm -hmm. And now everybody's on the dry rosé you know, wagon. And I think it's great because it offers rosé at all price points. But boy, you know, we love making it. We barely get to drink it anymore because it seems like somebody always needs another case. So we right. don't have a lot for ourselves. Right. So it did, it did kind of come out of the blue though. All of a sudden it's like, Oh my God, we can't keep this in stock. The phone is ringing. It's off the hook. crazy. People are calling us for it. And we're like, I'm sorry. I got a case. Maybe I can get you. And case. The thing it's is, just... People were like, why don't you make more? And it's like, we can't make more. Cause then we couldn't make our other Pinots. Right. So we only can make. And there's just a quality enough. issue. Yeah. I mean, I know we you guys make 10,000 cases of Rosé. Right. I mean, this is, it's impossible. We, we would be in, we, we couldn't survive. You know, you can't, you know, I mean, the, the cost of farming these grapes, you know, is, is really, really high. And the price point, it's not cheap wine, but even at that price point, it's not sustainable for us. It has to be sustainable. So. Yeah. And, um, and then you may, I mean, you make uh, the Pinot Blanc I love. So I, 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 I guess I can ask you this because I totally forget, I keep forgetting to ask you this. The Pinot Blanc comes in three seventy five, so it's a half bottle. Half really bottles sexy. Or it's got this, yeah. Oh, or Magnums, right? You start with it or party with it. That's the, that's the <laughs> tagline. <laughs> start with it or party with it. Because when I was when I was pregnant right. with our children, that's it. Yeah, okay. You know, Rob, we we I mean, we were traveling a lot, and he wanted a really crisp, dry white, and mm. he couldn't find it. He could even in Europe, we were getting oh. these like one offs from these even Burgundy producers that. They had something, and they found some glass. They just threw it in the half bottle, and mm. and 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 no, everybody forgot to sell it. So it was always oxidized. Something was always off with it. And so when I was pregnant, I said, you know, he had grown the Pinot Blanc for to blend into the Chardonnay that we were making at the time, and they were going to blend it. And I said, don't. I love this. I love this wine. It's, you know, the place where it's grown. It's perfect for this grape. Right. And and that was it. We started making in half bottles, and then we decided to make magnums because why not, right? We have mm. 22 SKUs of wine that we make, and some very small. And we make 17,000 cases of wine. So, yeah. if you average it out, that's you know less than what, or a little bit more, no less than a thousand, mm. if you're going to divide equally, right? But mm -hmm. not a lot of anything. So what uh, what is going on with the um, what, uh, like food for you now? Um, You've done cookbooks, all this stuff. Is there something coming out now? I mean, are you are, you, are we all still patiently waiting for food transparency to happen? You know, like you know, uh, I'm, I'm I'm waiting for a lot of transparency, like yeah. throughout the world. I mean, yeah. you know, I think why is the U.S. so far behind on it about like GMOs compared to Europe? Well, you know, and, you know, the U.S. is the the land of abundance, right. um, and and again, when you have access to cheap food, you can waste it. So when you can go to Costco and get a tray of 20 pork chops thinking, I'm going to buy a tw tray of 20 pork chops and I'm going to freeze them or whatever. I'm going to save money. They don't think about the cost of what, you know, the environmental cost of those 20 pork chops and why it's so cheap. And right. they usually end up throwing it away. Once it goes in the freezer, it gets thrown away. So they might make four pork chops and then throw away 16. You know, it just, it's that in Europe, you see people buying for the day. They go out. And that's changing. I mean, there are supermarkets, supermarchés, hypermarchés right. now. Um, but generally, when I lived in Europe, it was like go out, buy a little piece of meat, 
get your vegetables. You know, the meat was like the the small thing on the plate. Right. And then you had all your vegetables, and, and, and that was a really healthy way to eat. In America, it's like just pile everything on. The portion is crazy. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of waste. Um, yeah, and it's really weird. I always love it when there's like a snowstorm in New York City or, or when I lived in New Jersey. People uh, people fly like you know to, to the soup you can't get in the supermarkets if you're filling baskets like they're yeah. going to be not have food for five days yeah. and if you really looked in their house they probably could eat for three weeks on the stuff they have in exactly. the freezer it, exactly in the cupboards but it's just this crazy american thing of, it, it uh, is a crazy it is a crazy american thing like where what's the next meal and i and i'm guilty i mean i'm guilty of mm. stacking meals like where am i going to eat what am i going to do but i really try hard not to waste things mm. you know and i and um just try to eat what's appropriate for the day and not I hate throwing things away. I hate waste in the kitchen, even at home when I'm cooking at home. Um, you know, wine transparency in wine. I think there's a lot of non-transparency in wine. And if no one I ever asks the hard questions, because mm-hmm. it's it's almost too embarrassing to ask like, how do you farm this? To really like hone in on the logistics of farming and what really is going into the wine. A lot of people don't want to say what's going on in their cellars. Um, if they're using additives, if, you know, I mean, there's a lot of opaqueness, mm. opaqueness to, right. to winemaking. And I think everybody thinks wine is a natural product. And as you and I know, depending on even, it can be a very high level, very, very costly bottle of wine that can be made for as cheaply as a, a co-op wine from, you know, Northern Italy. I mean, right. it, 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 wine doesn't have, a um, what goes into it isn't, reflected in the price mm-hmm. you know it's it's sure. it you have to really know your producer right. it's like you want to know your farmer you want to know where your food comes from ask those questions about wine i, I, I agree that you should be asking in the retail stores yeah but um, no one wants it's like oh i don't want to be impolite i don't want to really dig right. deep you know i don't want to ask a farmer does he spray right and it's like well ask them you know sure. don't be obnoxious about it mm-hmm. just say how, how are you how are you doing your farming um how do you farm are you organic you know some people are organic and they, they but they're not certified mm-hmm. You know, but you get to know them and you get to know that they're really into organic, but they don't want to do the organic certification. Uh, So you're here for the slow wine movement Mm -hmm. uh, at Italy. Slow wine tasting. Slow wine tasting. (laughs) 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 I do speak. Uh, That's Monday at Italy. Yeah. Right. Downtown. And so people should try to come down. I didn't know there was one downtown. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very cool. It's close to the office. Uh, So let's play food ping pong. Uh, uh, I will name places that we'd love to eat because uh, I think people listen sometimes like, oh, uh, I've done this before. Like, I'll go, I love the razor clams at Charlie Bird. Oh, I do and, love the razor clams aren't at Charlie Aren't those fantastic? Bird. Yes. I, I, oh I, I mean, God. and Ryan knows I love yeah. them. I can eat like oh, 50 of those. Same. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, for um, pasta, uh, I would say uh, Balud Uptown, they do a. Uh, uh, Bortaga pasta yeah, with like lemon. Really simple is good. It's just simple, simple. Oh my God, I've had so many good, uh, good. Yeah, but the thing is like Mayalina. Mayalina makes fabulous pasta. That's true. Justin Smilly at Upland makes amazing. Oh my that, God, yeah. His, his chicken liver Estrella pasta is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a lot of good pasta places yeah. in New York. A Mama lot. Fuko uni rice. I've never had the oh, uni rice, man. but I love, yeah. I'm a really... I love uni. Yeah. I love uni. Really good uh, uni. It rocks my world. Yep. And, and so many people have bad uni that they go, yuck. But yeah. when it's sweet and nutty oh, and delicious, man. it's really yeah. incredible. I was in Santa Barbara and we we just bought a whole bunch and was taking just spoons. Spoonful. Oh, uh, unbelievable. Uh, favorite place was sushi? Shuko. Shuko. In uh, Union Square? No, you sh- no Shuko's Shuko? on 12th and... Oh, right. 12th and 4th. That's why I was thinking 4th? Union Square. LaGuardia, 4th. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, I, I love Shugo. Shugo is awesome. Uh, I've been in there uh, and had dinner. Spectacular. I like because I don't have to think. They just give it to me. Yeah. Uh, I love that too. So my one of my best kept secrets for sushi is everyone knows Nagazawa. Don't. You, if you tell everybody, then not. Uh, well, there won't I, be a secret anymore. I gotta let some people okay. know about this. So Nagazawa, uh, Euro Dreams of Suji, right hand man, opens Nagazawa. Open Nagazawa. There is a lounge connected to Nagazawa, and you can go in there and just get. So you don't have to do the omakase. Not anymore. <laughs> There's gonna be a line out the door. Yeah, so if, if I done. come in and you're sitting in my seat, you have to tell me, "Hey, sorry, yeah. John. Yeah. Uh, you you let the cat out of the no, bag." I'm really never now, gonna go. <laughs> all right, but you can get pieces there, and you can drink fantastic like Barres champagne, uh, and See, have pieces of sushi. I'm a and, sake freak. Yeah. I don't know enough about sake. I like sake. Oh my god, I'm going to Japan next week, yeah. and I cannot wait. I mean, I. It's sad. I'm, I'm, I am this white girl who will never be Japanese, but I feel like <laughs> somewhere inside of me, there's yeah. a piece of me that is Japanese because, right. uh, I mean, first time I went to Japan 20 years ago, right. um, it was I was really afraid. I didn't speak the language. I didn't know if I could get around, and I just fell in love with the people, the culture, the food. It's the on sake. my hit list. Really it's unbelievable. You have list. to go. Okay. You, it'll it'll ruin you for life. Okay. Really. Oh, yeah. I as far as you know, sushi at least. <sighs> yeah, uh, sushi tempura. You know, noodles, yeah. soba. Uh, it's mind blowing. You were thinking about bringing sake at one point. I remember we had a. It's brief still my dream. Yeah. Would to be to bring some sake over. And now, I mean, Rob's been talking about sake for fifteen years. Sake, yeah. sake, sake. Let's import it. Let's import it. Right. Now it's like it's finally catching. It's been catching fire. You know, yeah. it's which is great. I love it because you can go and drink around and get some fabulous, mm. fabulous sake mm. now. And they need us. They need us because they're they're. The domest- domestically, internally in Japan, mm. they're not drinking as much sake, and they need to right. find places in the export market mm. to, to so that it doesn't die. Right. Uh, is anything visionary coming up in the wine world? You see some crazy trend. I mean, there's definitely like the natural, and people are more obsessed yeah, I mean, about people, organics, which but is natural, good. Yeah, natural wines are definitely on a roll. Um, I'm still of the ilk that natural wines are very fragile, and mm. they're so great consumed, mm. like at the source. Agreed. And and when they they leave the source, it's kind of a crapshoot on how it they're is. handled. They're you know, but there are some really amazing natural wines. That's going to continue yep, uh, to I trend. I agree. I think sake is going to start taking over more more mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that. People will be pushing for more transparency in winemaking. Hopefully, I think that's the next step because we're gonna. We've had this this kind of we've swung to the natural side, and people are gonna start questioning what is natural sure. or defining it, and then start looking about. Well, if we're saying this is natural and this is transparent, then what about these other wines? Mm. Like, where's the transparency here? I think people are gonna call for more transparency. So you're like mega talented. Your cookbooks. Mm. Television shows, MW. I'm sure you're working on the cure for the common cold in your spare well, I, time. Well, we already know, like eat right, exercise, <laughs> and um, don't take uh, a lot. So, of what, are you guest chefing anywhere in New York soon? Because I know you've done Il Buco. You've done some pretty amazing well, events El, in New York City. Il Buco has a 25th anniversary, so I'm talking with Donna Leonard about cooking with Justin Smelly from Upland. Oh, they're, perfect. They're, they're old. Her old chef. She's right. a great talent. Maker, she's chosen yeah. some really great chefs. Sarah Jenkins, right. a lot of oh, great, Ignacio. Sure. I mean, a lot of people have come yeah, through her kitchen. So I might be doing a dinner with her. We're still working on that. Papina over in oh, Brooklyn, in Brooklyn yeah. yeah, on the waterfront. Um, yeah, love those cool guys, space. Natalie yeah. Grandstaff and, and Chris. Yeah, um, I love that little space. So okay. I want to do something in their backyard. It's great outdoor okay. space. If you let me know when, I can 
you know, say it in a, in, in a podcast and throw it up on my website. I'll throw some bottle shots up of the Sinsky Van Gris, the Rosé. Not that you need to cause <laughs> more. No, don't create uh, any actually, more I won't. Hysteria. I'll put something up. I'll put the Pinot uh, bottle shot up <laughs> of that. Something, I don't know. Um, and I just want to say thank you. Do you... Uh, uh, look at uh, thank yeah, you. Oh, by the way if you want amazing recipes go on Sinsky's website Robert Sinsky's website oh, I thought you Maria's were going to tell me posted. a place for amazing recipes and I didn't know where I'm, you're, no, yeah, you were going to talk about my recipes your I'm recipes like, really Unbelievable. What, what amazing <laughs> constant curious see she's like uh, but go on the website because I was looking at it it's like man there's a lot I mean, yeah it's no yeah. joke uh, but thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for and having me. I will, uh, uh, you know, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you at the Slow Wine event on Monday. Yes, yes that would and, be fun. And uh, I look forward to seeing Rob next time he's in town as well. And I'll be able to see you in California. I hope so. All right. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Mm-hmm.